to the audio event of the century, featuring two lifelong best friends. We love the Leafs. We love each other. But most of all, we love William Nylander. Welcome to the Buds All Day. Hello and welcome to the Buds All Day podcast. I'm Sats Mundine here with Lebda's Legacy. Hey, how's it going, everyone? And today we are going to wrap up the Leafs season opening 2-1 win over the Montreal Canadiens. Now tonight, the Leafs got goals from Pierre Engvall and whoo, Willie Styles, baby. While the lowly Habs got their goal from Jonathan Drouin, which given what Jonathan Drouin went through, if we're going to win in spite of it, you don't hate seeing him score. So, Lebda, what did you think of tonight's affair? Yeah, I was actually going to make that point too. Like, honestly, good for Jonathan Duran. Like, I absolutely hate the team, but especially after last year and coming out, like, that's not a thing hockey players do very often. And it definitely takes a lot of courage and guts to stand up and be able to do that and step away from the game of hockey. Just knowing what, you know, kind of the typical hockey fan is like. So, yeah, good good for him, but I'm uh, I'm certainly certainly glad that we uh, ended up getting the win. So we did spoil the party a little bit on Drewen, but uh, hey, first game in the bag, first win. There's not too too much to complain about. No, and the game it got off to a very uh, game six of the first round type of start where the Leafs were. I wouldn't even say they were getting absolutely dominated, but they were just so disorganized and sloppy like just anytime Montreal got it they were getting between our defense and you know just kind of breaking away for chances Jack Campbell had to be really good early to keep the game close but as the game went on the Leafs they kind of took hold other than a few moments here and there but pretty much from the the midway mark of the first period onward this was this was somewhat of a shit kicking despite the score yeah this game had a real um like Leafs Habs playoff feel to it not necessarily in like the intensity way or whatever you want to call it but just how the Leafs were absolutely dominating and just couldn't couldn't break the game wide open it felt like like they they were getting you know chances they're they're handing it to the Habs and they just like for whatever reason they just couldn't pop the goals I know I know a bunch of guys had a bunch of chances and you know they went the way 2-1 you know if I'm Sheldon Keefe I probably am going to point out a lot of things to the guys especially about the start penalty trouble in the third period and all that but hockey's a game of confidence hockey players you know they they really believe in that and so getting a win early on especially against a rival and especially against the rival team that went to the Stanley Cup finals after beating us in the first round you know I think uh, I think the guys in the room are going to take thra- from uh, take from that and hopefully they go into Ottawa and then we see a real real shellacking in Ottawa yeah, and I think another important point to make about just getting points without Austin Matthews, if you can get through the first three games of the year and, and if they take one of these next two, you go in two and one and, and you get your superstar back. I mean, that's not a bad start to the year. So, yeah, looking at this game on the whole, the Leafs on the deserve to win meter tonight, they were at 73.6%. So you can see they clearly controlled the game. They had 54% of the Corsi 4, 58% of the scoring chances, and 58% of the expected goals. So it's kind of like the uh, first round series also in that the Leafs are missing a player that's by far better than anyone on the Habs and they still control the play in in every way, shape and form. And yeah, just Jake Allen stood on his head, but my word, you got to give some credit to Jack Campbell for that performance tonight. 
Yeah, especially really early on, like um, just watching it early on. The Leafs were just so, so sloppy. Fenceman just didn't didn't look crisp, and whether that's just, you know, early season jitters or the crowd's back for the first time in a while. So, you know, there's probably lots of excitement and adrenaline running through, and anytime you get that much adrenaline, you know, you start making some silly plays. But, yeah, Jack Campbell really kept the boys in early and allowed them to, you know, get the mistakes out of the way calm themselves down and then start going to work and proving that they are a much better team than this Montreal Canadiens team. Yeah. And the first goal, you look at that, it's, it's, it was drew end from Anderson, like we mentioned and Campbell, you can only expect them to do so much. So Muzzin has that bad giveaway kind of, I don't know if he was trying to dump it in or make a pass through, through to somebody at the blue line, but he turns it over to the Habs and it quickly becomes a two on one. And I got to say, for someone who has a reputation as such a terrible passer, Josh Anderson had a really nice pass to set up Drew Ann on that goal. Yeah, it was also, it feels weird to do this, like giving credit to so many Montreal Canadiens early on, but it was a really nice play at the um, opposing blue line by uh, by Kulak as well. Like you said, I think Muzzin was trying just to do one of those little slides over and Kulak just got his stick in and kind of tipped it ahead and not started the odd man rush. And then, yeah, you expect Josh Anderson coming in with all that speed and odd man rush just to absolutely drill it about 18 feet wide of the net. But he made a good pass. And, yeah, like we said earlier, good for Drew on to score. But, you know, I think it all really did start with Jake Muzzin just not being as crisp as he did. And then also, like I said, credit to Brett Kulak making a nice play. But, yeah, just highlights what we just talked about. This Leafs defenseman just not being as crisp as they needed to be early on. Yeah, and once the dam finally broke and the, and the Habs were able to capitalize on what, at least at the moment, what felt like probably their fifth or sixth pretty grade-A scoring chance of the game, it seems like that woke the Leafs up because shortly after, they were able to get a power play. And the first unit didn't score, but but there was a good chance for Marner in the slot that got saved. And then who else but Pierre Engvall would you have expected to score the Leafs' first goal of the season on the power play, Lebda? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was lot. There's lots of talk this Leafs off season about um, who's going to replace Zach Hyman and who's going to fill that kind of kind of role. And I'm not saying that Pierre Engvall is going to do that necessarily on the first line, but I know I saw a lot of tweets about Stephen Birch comparing Engvall and Hyman's kind of early NHL careers. And uh, I don't even think we've mentioned it to this point, but it's something I've been thinking for a while. I I, I do wonder if Pierre Engvall might might take a little jump this year and. And fill some of that kind of role that Zach Hyman did. Now, do I expect him to snipe 20 on the power play? Absolutely not. But I think we can see, you know, Pierre Engvall taking that next step, potting some more goals, still being really good on the on the um, penalty kill and evolving into a player that where if he comes out of the lineup, then we're going to have to ask some serious, serious questions about, uh, about Sheldon Keefe's coaching. But yeah, as far as that power play goal, I don't know. It was one, It's one of those plays where you're watching it as a fan and you're you know, not seeing things at ice level and not seeing what the players are seeing. And you're kind of like getting worried, like, oh, what are they doing? Like, shoot the puck. Like, let's let's get it going here. And then, hey, find the angle, snapped one and uh, it went in. And like I said, it could be uh, it could be a nice little season for Pierre Engvall, especially if he can chip in a little bit on the second power play unit. Like, I, I think we could see some nice things from Engvall and make that contract a real, uh, real bargain deal, especially with Ilya Mikheyev out. Like, the Leafs are looking for someone to, you know, step up and, in that absence. And, you know, I, I do hope it is going to be Pierre Engvall. 
Yeah, it was a nice bit of skill on on that goal where he kind of faked the shot, got the got the defender to go down and try to block it, and then he he nicely snipes it home. So it was a really good play by Engvall, and and it was just fitting for the game for him because you could just see his and Cash's speed on that third line was was really affecting the Canadians, and they were creating chances. He created another two on one with Kasha later in the game, and and he looked really good. And and I think you. You you gotta say he is even when the Leafs are fully healthy. You add Mikheyev and Matthews back in the lineup, he is absolutely one of the Leafs' twelve best forwards. I think if you're adding Matthews and Mikheyev back into the lineup, you're taking out Amadio, obviously, and I think the guy who's got to go is Wayne Simmons, who didn't look good tonight. But Engvall doesn't he doesn't need to be a Zach Hyman. He doesn't need to be that level of a player, and I don't think we're really expecting him to be that. But if he can kind of do what he did tonight and can play on a third line that can, you know, chip in with some, some offensive chances and hopefully finish on a couple while, you know, playing even against the other team's middle six. That's, that's a great, great scenario for the, for the Leafs. Yeah. And I think Pierre Engvall is another one of those guys where, you know, there's a handful of them. And I think David Kampf is another one that we have on our team this year as well, where when you watch them play, they just look like they're so tough to play against. Like they're just big, fast, they're undoubtedly strong, and you see guys that where you think, oh, like Nick Suzuki's going to blow blow by him and get a chance here, and all of a sudden, like Angval is just, you know, gathers up the puck and and does something with it, and he has just enough skill to be able to turn some of that into offense. So yeah, it, again, it's another really interesting um, kind of piece of this Leafs team going forward. What what Pierre Angval actually turns into this year? Well, and I think part of what what we've seen with Engvall, what maybe why Keith seems to have a bit of an, maybe not an issue with him, but why he hasn't always had confidence in playing with him is I think Keith wants to see that bit of fire from him. And you, you saw it on multiple fronts tonight, both in his effort, just playing the game and near the end of the game too, in that skirmish with Josh Anderson, he wasn't, he wasn't taking any BS. He was ready to throw a few punches. So if Engvall is going to play like this all year, I, I already thought before, before he put in this kind of effort that he was one of our 12 best forwards, but if he's going to play like this, he's honestly might be one of our top nine forwards. So it does give the Leafs a lot to think about going forward in, in what kind of line combinations they want to do. Obviously injuries are going to happen. So you're probably never going to have your full complement of forwards anyways, but it's, it is good to know that in the cases of someone getting injured, we have guys who can slide up and down the line. So after that Engvall goal, the Leafs did go into the third period tied 1-1. And Willie Nylander, I know you had mentioned earlier that the Leafs felt like they were getting a ton of chances. There were a few guys who felt like they should have three or four goals in this game. And Willie definitely felt like one of those guys up to this up to that point. And he was able to make a beautiful play off the rush to snipe one over uh, Allen's shoulder. Yeah, I mean, this this is exactly what you want from William Nylander. Again, it's a nice little outlet pass from Riley. Willie enters the zone and he just walks in and he just absolutely snipes one. Like there's nothing that brings more joy to my heart than seeing Willie Nylander just walk in the zone and just absolutely let go a shot. Like, man, like the, the we say it all the time. The guy is so talented. He's He's good value on his contract. If he can, you know, start doing this, just even just a mil, like, just a little little bit more we're just gonna see again another evolution to William Nylander's game and then also if we're seeing him on the uh on the penalty kill as well getting more minutes 
you know, who knows? Like he's such a, he's such a good hockey player, especially him on the penalty kill, especially if we pair him up with, uh, with whether it is Alex Kerfoot, because clearly they have a lot of chemistry together. Yeah. Could chip in on the PK and we could see just again, another wrinkle to William Nylander's game. And he's making it really, really tough to, uh, for the uncles to criticize him, uh, for him to, for, yeah, for the uncles to criticize him, uh, this year. Yeah, he he made it tough last year. I don't know how you could have any doubt in William Nylander after his playoffs last year. And I got to say, he's making me feel pretty smart about my preseason prediction about him coming out and being at least a point of game guy. I think I might have even shot low on that one. I wouldn't be surprised to see 90 from Willie this year because he looked dominant in those playoffs. He looked absolutely like a man amongst boys in the preseason and he continued that into today. He, like I said, he could have had two, three, four goals. So if he's going to play like that all year and play with that consistency, I don't see why he can't. He he could be the second best player on this team. Now that's and that's not even a slight against Marner. I just think both guys have just have such unreal potential. And if Willie Willie's going to get more ice time this year, I saw tonight he had 18 minutes. Marner had 19, which I got to give some credit to Keep because that's something we complain about where he underplays Willie and, and kind of overplays Matthews and Marner to the point where they're breaking down in the playoffs. So I wouldn't even mind seeing 19 minutes for Willie, but he was getting about 16 last year. So to see him at least breaking that 18 minute mark is going to be big. And, and yeah, he, if, if he does get an extended look on the penalty kill, I wouldn't be surprised to see five or six shorthanded goals for him off the rush either. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm very curious to see where William Nylander's ice time kind of falls when Austin Matthews is back. Just seeing if, you know, if Sheldon Keefe is actually trying to rotate those top two lines as being a little bit more equal in terms of ice time. I mean, Austin Matthews is Austin Matthews. You're going to want to play him slightly more than anyone else on the team. I do understand that, but that also goes to our point that we made in our last podcast where, you know, we want to see William Nylander get a shot with Austin Matthews and you know, see some different line combinations and, and just things that if we do ever get stuck for a period in the regular season or in the playoffs, things aren't going well, that we have things in, or Sheldon Keefe, sorry, has things in his back pocket to use. But then again, to that point, like if we look at um, William Nylander and Alex Kerfoot in the playoffs last year, like they were just absolutely dynamite. Two guys that just fly out there and seem to seem to really play off each other well. So again, we talk about, all these times where, you know, the Leafs have so many options. And if, if um, Austin Matthews, you know, misses even maybe more than the three games here and Alex Kerfoot and William Nylander keep, um, keep their kind of rate of play up and their chemistry up. And they keep showing that, you know, Hey, maybe this is a legitimate line and they don't need the help of a John Tavares or an Austin Matthews. Then again, we could see some very interesting line combinations from the Leafs going forward. Yeah, there's a lot of options for for Keith to use going forward. Like you look at tonight, they had an 81% expected goals. They were just absolutely dominant. So I think that is a tandem that you could keep together. And whether that's playing with Tavares on the second line or maybe even you try them with Matthews because Kerfoot as a, as a guy who doesn't really like to shoot, but Willie and Matthews can both really shoot. That'd be a great line in transition. So there's a lot of things for Keith to try. And, and like you said, even... Who knows? Maybe maybe a couple games he gets really creative and like you said, he puts Kerfoot, Willie, and and Bunting together and you know, you throw Tavares, Mikheyev, and, and Engvall. Like there's there's a bunch of different options that the Leafs could try with, you know, with Andre Kasha to try to get three really good lines and then you obviously you and I talk about Willie's ice time, we want to keep it high. Maybe 
you know, you, you play Willie 12, 13 minutes with, with the Kerfoot tandem, and then you, you throw him up with Matthews and Marner. You throw him up with Tavares for a few, give him, give him five extra minutes. It doesn't have to be stagnant lines the whole game. So, yeah, that Willie Kerfoot tandem really does have a lot of potential because it's it's not just this small sample of, of today and the playoffs. We did see it at the end of the 2020 season as well where they were doing really well with John Tavares between them. I know they got off to a bit of a slower start last year, but I think you can just kind of blame that on the, the slow start that, that Tavares just seemed to have. I don't think it was anything to do with Kerfoot. So it makes sense why they're a good pairing too. With, with the speed those two guys have, they're just – it's tough to handle. It's really tough to handle. And Alex Kerfoot has always been one of those guys where you look at his stats and, you know, his point totals and his advanced, you know, kind of metrics and all that. And you're like, I just, I don't know. But then you watch him play and you see him like just flying into the corners and digging pucks out and doing little things. And you're like, okay, like this guy feels like he, you know, maybe he's not really good right now, but it feels like he could be really good for an extended period of time. And Hey, maybe again, like we said, like hockey players are kind of weird. Chemistry is a bit of a weird thing too. And if they have the chemistry, then maybe you just try and let them cook. And we talk, we talk about it all the time. We genuinely do think that this Leafs team is going to try and add a, a top six um, uh, forward, whether it's at the deadline or, or close to the deadline or, or wherever it may be. Um, but I mean, if Alex Kerfoot and William Nylander are playing like this, like, who who knows what happens? Maybe the Leafs do add a top six forward and they add a guy, you know, maybe not a Philip Forsberg who's making all that money, but a guy at a lower price point to play on a wing with John Tavares. And you have, you know, Nick, Nick Ritchie, John Tavares, and I don't know, Ricard Raquel or something like that at, at half retained as a line. And, you know, because of the salary constraints. And then you have three very, very good lines. Andre Kasha can go somewhere. And then we bump everyone down and because the biggest weakness right now on our team is the fourth line. Now, when everyone's healthy, I think that will change a little bit, but you have three crazy lines like that. And then look at our, looking at our fourth line there, like that's a deep, deep, deep hockey team. Yeah, for sure. And I like, obviously you and I don't expect that to be a thing that happens, but it's the kind of creativity that if, if the Leafs are really running away with the season, that I, I just wouldn't mind seeing it tried out because if you get into a playoff series and you got, you know, the, the top two lines on another, say you're facing Tampa, who's going to be really a top heavy team this year. And their top two lines are really negating ours. Maybe you do spread that wealth and you take advantage of the matchups you can get against their bottom six. So yeah, it's going to be exciting to see how the, how the Leafs kind of play it out this season. Now, Moving on to the uh, to the defense tonight, we saw a really good night from the first pair and the third pair, but that Muzzin Hall pairing, they had a bit of a, a rough go with 30% expected goals. They were on for the only goal against. Are you worried about it at all, Lebda? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm necessarily worried about it. I'm not worried about Jake Muzzin, like, let's be honest. Unless he, you know, has just decided to fall off a cliff this year, like, even last year, he's still one of the top defensemen in the league. He's so steady. He clearly drags Justin Hall up into that top four slot. But, I mean, if Justin Hall keeps this um, this play up, I think Sheldon Keefe really has to start looking at um, finding a new partner for Jake Muzzin, whether it be, you know, someone playing their offside in Sandine or Dermot or whether T- Timothy Lilligan can come in or whether we have to go, you know, way off board and, and find someone. Um, but yeah, like I think, you know, this is a bit of a prove it year again for, for Justin Hall. He 
started off really well last year and then dipped down a bit and his play was suspect for sure at times. Um, so again, it's, it's one game. I'm not going to base any judgments, but even before the season, I was slightly concerned about, you know, rolling up and rocking with Justin Hall in our top four. But again, as long as Jake Muzzin hasn't fallen off a cliff, he should still be able to, you know, drag Justin Hall around into being a true top four NHL defenseman. Yeah, I don't really have any any worries too big about that pairing. It's it's the first game of the year. Like you said, there could be a lot of rust going on. So I will be curious if if it does hold up. I, I wouldn't mind trying a Timothy Lilligren there or, or seeing what we can do and just kind of mixing up the D pairings as well because – we know that you can go back to the to the well. You know, like they're not going to forget how to play with each other if if you separate them for ten games or so. So maybe you try it in the middle of the season and you see if you can get something that works. So it it was. Uh, I thought the other pairings looked really good tonight. Like Sandine looked pretty comfortable. Him and Dermot had seventy percent expected goals. They were they were pretty good. And then another just solid night from TJ Brody and Morgan Riley. Kind of what we came to expect all season last year. Yeah, exactly. I'm really, really happy to see that Sandine Dermot pairing playing um, so well today. And again, it's bottom pairing minutes, but those guys just need to play bottom pair minutes. Like we don't need either of those guys to necessarily take a huge leap unless, like we said earlier, like Justin Hall just doesn't has another horrible, horrible season or has a horrible season. Then maybe we need Travis Dermot to, you know, try and prove that he's a top four defenseman. But I mean, if Rasmus Sandin and Travis Dermot are putting 70% expected goals up every night, especially with how bad our fourth line played and, you know, they're going to see a decent amount of ice time with our fourth line and against the other teams, you know, kind of bottom pairs, then, you know, there's not a lot of room for complaints about that from your bottom pairing defenseman. And those Leaf defensemen were able to lock down the lead in the third. They they survived some uh, questionable refing, I would call it, with uh, the Montreal Diving Committee, you know, doing their best to, to get four straight tripping calls called on the Leafs. The Leafs survived the minute 44 of, uh, of five-on-three play, and I thought their penalty kill looked excellent all night. David Kampf and, and all those guys were being really aggressive on the penalty kill. So, yeah, it was a, it was a nice way to shut the game down for the Leafs. Yeah, um, you know, that's exactly what I know you and me love to see in a penalty kill is guys just being aggressive, not allowing people time, especially with a team, you know, kind of like Montreal, when you have a guy like Cole Caulfield that has an absolute, you know, kind of weapon of a shot, you just don't give him time. And he's a young player and he's still trying to figure out the NHL. So if you don't give him time, he's not going to be as dangerous and he's not going to be as effective. And I mean, I single out Caulfield, but that, that goes for like almost any NHL player. If you, if you take away their time and their space, you know what? They're not going to be able to do it. And yeah, there's going to be occasions where a team's just going to boom three quick passes in the back of the net. But more time, more times than you know that happens, the Leafs are going to really, really benefit from being very, very aggressive on the penalty kill. Especially when you have the speed of of guys like Engvall and and uh, Willie and Kerfoot and all these guys who are really good skaters. I think you have to take advantage of that. And yeah, if if you just sit back and you're too passive on the penalty kill, th- these guys are skilled enough that they're going to take the time and space and they're going to finish it off. So I really liked what I saw from the, uh, from both special teams units tonight, actually, although we didn't get to see too much of the power play, but uh, the Leafs had a, a power play at the end of the game where after Josh Anderson decided it would be a good idea to uh, punch some Leafs in the face and, and take a roughing penalty with two minutes left and his team down a goal, just some great, great play by Josh Anderson there. But 
you can't glean too much from that penalty kill because all the Leafs were kind of trying to do is run out the clock. So with that said, the Leafs were able to wrap up the game. And I think we need to wrap this podcast up with our uh, with our stars of the game. And I know that usually I'm I'm quite a generous guy and I let you go first, but when my boy has a night like he had tonight, I have to absolutely give the star of the game first and I have to give it to Willie. Willie bam 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 bam. And never bam a Willie. He scored a goal. He had an 85% expected goals for. He could have had 4 to 5 goals. The man was just an absolute unit tonight and Boy, does it get me excited to watch 81 more games of him. Oh, it's just an absolute treat being a Leafs fan, watching watching a player like that, watching players like Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, like the list goes on. It it just it really is a treat for all, you know, how do I say it? The depression they put us through with choking in the playoffs. Like, at least during the regular season, it is a treat to watch these guys. Um, now speaking of a treat to watch and honestly a treat of a human being, I think the only other option seeing as you took our boy, Willie, uh, is Jack Campbell. Let's share our tasty, yummy, bubbly, big old pot of stone soup. Fill your bowl. I mean, we said it earlier in the podcast. He, he kept them in it early on, made some big saves, kept, you know, let the team kind of find their legs and then start to take over the game. Stop 31 of 32 for a 969. Yum. And I mean... Kept the boys in it early. Kept the boys in it late. That's what you need from your starting goaltender. And if Jack Camp, I mean, 969 is a little bit ridiculous, but if Jack Campbell provides just solid, solid goaltending like that throughout the season, then we say it again. The Leafs are still, you know, a dangerous team. And if they get good goaltending, they will be dangerous in the playoffs until they choke, of course. Lebda, you heard my bold prediction this year. We are not choking. We are making it through the first round. That's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I agree with you on the second pick, though. If I didn't go with Willie, I definitely would have went with Campbell because if he didn't stand on his head in those first five minutes, it could have been two or three nothing, and by then it could be a hole that was too big to climb out of without the best goal scorer in the league. So I totally agree on that. I would give uh, honorable mentions to Pierre Engvall as well. He looked really good, and then Michael Bunting, we didn't say anything about him yet, but I just want to shout him out for his first game as a Leaf. I thought he looked really good with his nose to the net too. But yeah, you can't, you can't go wrong with Willie and uh, Willie and the newly christened nickname Soup Dog. Well, that does about do it. I guess I should add another honorable mention to our uh, or my esteemed co-host Sats Mundine for uh, being a real trooper and one staying up to watch that whole game, but also staying up to provide this excellent, excellent post-game analysis that we always do here at the Buds All Day Cast. Um, yeah, because he is in uh, Madrid, Spain right now. It's about four a.m. local time, so you Five. know, a little, ra- little little round of applause for uh, for Sats tonight. But yeah, like we said, that about does it. Um, Make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter. Keep up to date with all, all stuff Buds All Day. Um, that is at Buds All Day Cast on Twitter. Uh, lots of stuff always going on there. Live tweeting during the games. Um, we did mention it on our last podcast, but in case you're a new listener or you haven't listened. And as I just mentioned, Sats is in the process of moving from Spain to Canada. So the next two games are going to be just a little bit difficult with, uh, with the schedule and all that. But after that, we should be... Um, back to doing every game post game reactions so yeah thank you very much everyone for listening and we'll uh we'll see you next time Woo-hoo-hoo!